Today we will continue in our, our series, um, in our study of the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, we are in the fourth chapter in the book of Ephesians. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, um, wasn't Sunday amazing to the glory of God? Now, <laughs> we are totally excited. It's as if um, we should just continue. Is anybody here? I wasn't here on Sunday. Let me see your hands up. I wasn't here on Sunday. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. God bless you. Um, let's try and get this series. Do we have the series for Sunday? Let's just give these people the series for free today. So just go pick it up. You were not here on Sunday. If you were here on Sunday, you buy the CD. Okay? Just pick up the CD for free and, and God will bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we were explaining that when we are doing Bible study, when you want to study the Bible, there are several approaches to study the Bible and we are taking one of the approaches which is book study. So we are going and looking at the book of Ephesians. And we explained that there are two main types of Bible um, translations, if you will. We have a lot of Bible translations, but there are just two types of Bible translations. You, you have the literal translation. The literal translations seek to do a word-for-word translation. We have the King James version of the Bible, Young's literal translation, you have um, the NKJV, you have the RSV and NRSV and all those translations are literal translations and we did say that most scholars agree that the most, the closest to the text of all the literal translations is the NRSV, the closest to the text. So for our study, we are using which translation? And RSV. And we said that the second type of translation, apart from the literal translation, is the interpreted or the dynamic translations. Now, while the literal seek to do a word-for-word translation, the interpreted versions of the Bible seek to do a thought by thought. In other words, sentence or paragraph in some cases by paragraph. So they read a sentence and they will interpret what it means rather than reading word for word and interpreting what it means. And because sometimes um, for those of us who um, don't understand Greek and Hebrew, you know, and because of the limitation of the English language, sometimes the um, dynamic translations are more suited because it now makes more sense when the sentence is interpreted as against word for word. And in God's favorite house, our um, default translation is a dynamic translation, and that is what NLT, thank you, sir. And that is the New Living Translation of the Bible. Where has it been? <laughs> of the Bible. So we, we started with our books, in, in our book of Ephesians. Ephesians. And we looked at chapter 1, Paul saying in verse 1, 
that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the will of God, to this, according um, to the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. So we explained the apostleship, the calling, the, the calling of Paul. We explained the fact that he was referring to believers as saints, you know, and, and, and how um, sainthood is not achieved by works, but sainthood is achieved purely by grace, purely by grace. And every believer in Christ Jesus is actually a saint. In chapter 2, we explained that we were dead through the trespasses and the sins. And we explained that we were not bad people, that God is trying to make good people. We are actually dead and God made us alive in Christ. Huge, huge difference. And we explain the difference between a trespass and a, trans, and a sin. And what sins are, what trans, trespasses and transgressions are. We explain the differences between the two. And we said in verse 4 that, but God was rich in mercy. Because God was rich in mercy. He loved us. He reached out to us and he delivered us. And we explained why he did all that. Why did he go through the trouble? We, I'm, I'm doing a refresher, you know, because of the GWDI break, you know. Um, why did he go through all that trouble? In verse 6 of Ephesians 2, it, 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 it explains to us that he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus, Jesus, so God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of grace and kindness. So God can, why did he go through all that? So God can say, look at Femi, is my example of how kind I can be. You know, he had no chance. See what I made out of his life. You know, Praise the name of the Lord. God can say, look at you. See what I did with these people. See what I did with this person. This person had no chance, was dead in sin, was given up by the enemy. But see how I have transformed and beautified her life. God wants to show us off. And that chapter actually ends with us being his masterpiece. Which we say we should research when we... Um, when we get home. By the time we got to chapter 3 last week, we saw in verse 8 of um, Ephesians 3, Paul speaking. He says, Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures that is available. And on and on and on. So we, we explained the transition that Paul made in his life. Paul, I mean, early writings of Paul, you will see Paul saying that um, I'm the apostle of apostles. In other words, which of them can stand beside me when we are talking about revelation? <laughs> and Paul graduated to saying, okay, I'm the least of all the apostles. You know? By the time we, got, we get to Ephesians, which he wrote towards the end of his life, Paul is saying, I'm the least of all the saints. You know? <laughs> so you could see it, it, a, a progression in humility 
in the life of, of Paul. <clears throat> and in verse 18, we explain that, and you, and may you have, God wants us to have the, under, the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may we experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. So we explained that there is actually no, no real contest between a faith that understands and a faith that feels. In fact, we, that was the Sunday before, and, and we, we drove it home with this by explaining that there are certain things we can't even really understand. There are a lot of things we can feel, but we, don't, we can't understand. I feel like God doesn't want me to eat this food. But I don't understand why. But I just feel. Does it happen to anybody? Then, then, then if you obey it, you save yourself some food poisoning at the least. If you don't obey it, you eat the food, then you are running to the toilet. Oh, and I knew I was not supposed to eat that food. And I knew I was. Then understanding came after the feeling, the experience. And today, we are in chapter 4. Now, in the previous three chapters, particularly in the first chapter, we went deeper than wider. We went deeper than wider. In, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, we tried to go less deeper and a little wider, but we still struggled. For instance, in chapter 1, we spent over 30 minutes on one verse. You know, we went deep into that verse. But we, we couldn't really f- cover the whole chapter because of time. So today, we, we still need to go deeper. Obviously, that's how we are doing Bible study. But we will try and go a little bit more wider. So we expect that once we dig deeper, we'll leave you to go and continue the remaining research and Bible study at home and your collaborative groups. Is that Okay then so that we can cover a lot of grounds. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort I was to make every effort. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts unto his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who 
descended is the same one who ascended above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, everybody say maturity, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. It says, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to the practice, to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learn Christ. You have not learned so in Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him. As truth is in Jesus, you were taught to put away your former way of life. Your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to clothe yourselves with the new self created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. I will say thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. 29, 
Let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Everybody say tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, that is totally loaded, isn't it? If we just reading it, if we just say, like Jesus does, close the book and everybody goes home, we are fine. That is if we do them, that is. It's, it's just a lot. In fact, Ephesians 4 alone, you know, it's, it's big. If we look at verse 1, Ephesians 4, from verse 1, <laughs> it says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, so, number one, everybody here has been called by God. Everybody. Everybody has been called. It's not only the pastors and the ministers that have a calling. Everybody has a calling. You have a calling. The person sitting beside you has a calling. Everybody has been called of God. But see, the, the word of God is saying to us that we should lead a life that is worthy of our calling. He starts this chapter again by, by, by pointing to the fact that he's a prisoner for Jesus Christ. I do, we are not going to look at that. We looked at that extensively, right? You know, and, but, but he used a very strong word. I beg you, beg. That beg, that word beg is that I beseech you with everything I have. I, if I have all the gold in the world, I use it to beg you. To live a life that is worthy of your calling. So, this thing that people say that once you are saved, you know, it doesn't matter the kind of life you lead. Once you are saved, you are fine. Have you heard that before? That grace covers all. Now, I just said to such people, it's simple. You are saved. You are not under the law. It's okay. Just go and steal money in a bank. And tell them, just go there and, and, and you don't have a gun, just go there and just grab the money from the cashier and say, I am saved by, by grace. <laughs> you eat beans. <laughs> you know what I used to eat beans? As 
and serve, you will serve Tam. Because the point is this. God is saying that calling it is by grace. You cannot attain it except I call you. Nobody takes this honor unto himself. In Hebrews 7, nobody takes this honor unto himself. So, so for God to call you and I, that is grace. It is unmerited. There's nothing. In Ephesians 2, we explain how we are saved by grace. It is not of works. Nobody can boast about it. So the calling is by grace. You can't earn it. God has called you. He has chosen to call you. But he's saying, now that I have called you, I beg you, let your life be worthy of your calling. Lead a life that is worthy of your calling. You know, there, there are a lot of people that just feel that we can just be lawless. You know, they are called antinomians. Antinomianism. Is lawlessness. Legalism is on the other end of the spectrum. Antinomianism is on the other side of the spectrum. God has not called us to either legalism or antinomianism. Legalism will bring bondage. Antinomianism will also bring what? Bondage. God has called us to what? To freedom. That's what God has called us to. To freedom. So if you are legalistic, you are going to be in bondage. If you are an antinomian, you are going to be in bondage. It says it is for freedom that Christ has made us, made us free. So in verse 17, if you look at verse 17, it says, with, with the Lord's authority. Now, after he has said in verse, in verse 1, I beg you. In verse 17, he graduates. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. <laughs> so, you see a graduation. It's from verse 1 that he's saying, I beg you. It's like a father talking to his children. Say, if you have children and you know that if you do this, you're going to get into trouble. I'm begging you, don't do it. That's one. Then by the time you get to verse 17, he's saying, with the authority of the Lord, I am saying this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. For you are, you were, for they, rather, are hopelessly confused. Verse 18, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures. They, are, they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. God, Paul was saying, at this point, I am using the authority of the Lord and I am making this statement, don't do it. In verse 20, it says, for it isn't what you learned in Christ. In other words, this behavior is not, does not align with Christ. 
He doesn't. He says, since you have heard about Jesus, verse 21, and have learned the truth that comes from him, then this is what you do, verse 22. You throw off your old sinful nature. It's as if it's something, the picture is it's like a shirt that you take off and you what? And you throw away. You throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt. Corrupted by lust and deception. God says, throw it off. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And by the time we get to verse 30, it says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. You know, that's just heavy. So we see the cases that Paul is making. The first case is, I am begging you. For some people, that's enough. When your father begs you. The second case is, I am instructing you. Some people, they don't hear begging. It's instruction they hear. Now, it's not making the third case. It's the third case is, look, it will hurt God if you do it. It will grieve the Holy Spirit. Some people, that is what they hear. They, they don't want to offend God. If you are like that, let me see your hands up. I don't want to offend God. Anybody like that? Like me? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, good. The rest of you, you hear the koboko. <laughs> the command. You know, you are, it, it says that when you, when you don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit, in other words, you grieve him. He becomes sorrowful by your way of life. So how I live can make God happy or make God sad. That's big. Sometimes it is erroneously taught that once you are under the blood, there is no, it doesn't matter how you live. You, God sees Jesus, and that is true in acceptance. That is true in acceptance. God sees Jesus, and he accepts you. That is 100 percent true in acceptance. He says, remember... He has identified you as his own and guaranteed, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Praise the name of the Lord. So, God is saying, who you are and how you live are inseparable. If you want to summarize this, it's saying who you are and how you live are inseparable. If you see a son of a king, how they live, who they are, and how they live is inseparable. The style of a king lives as a, as a royalty, you know. They, don't, they behave in certain ways. When they are at the table, they don't just begin to use their hand. They, they, <laughs> and eating apple, they use, they, they arrange the cutlery, they go through actually table tutoring 
on ethics and all that stuff. And God is saying, you are mine. Growing up, I mean, I've told this story before, you know, one of, one of the things that when I, when I was in boarding house and my mom dropped me off, you know, she always says, remember the child of whom you are, you know? And in those days, those words, I think they, they were torturous because I would want, I would have, I mean, in, in my friends, I was like, they were like, I was very quiet, you know, but I was the brain behind all the mischief. <laughs> I was not the loudest, but if we were going to go and rob a bank, I would be the one to draw out the plan. Something like that. So, while we are drawing up the plan, I want to go and strike. I just hear, remember the son of who you are. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it just pours everything for me. I would have to give an excuse. I won't show up. Or I have to abandon the project. Why? Because who you are cannot be separated from from what? How you behave. And when we back up to verse 23, it says that instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. So when you let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude, your actions flow automatically from your renewed mind. Because the challenge is that when you, we get saved, our minds are not renewed. So we still struggle because our minds are not renewed. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds, then our thoughts and our attitudes are influenced by Him and our actions follow suit. So, therefore, when we allow Him to renew our thoughts and mind, we put on, verse 24, our new nature created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, when we allow God to renew our thoughts and our minds by coming for Bible study, by reading the Word, by having fellowship, by attending life groups, by praying, allowing the Holy Spirit to renew our minds and our thoughts, we put on the new person. Then, We display true righteousness. So, so true righteousness and holiness is not because we have a strong will, we are able to, to make things happen, we are able to keep the rules, we are able to obey the Ten Commandments, we are able to do all the do's and don'ts. No, it flows from a renewed mind and a renewed attitude by God's Spirit. However, God gave us some clear pointers to how this new life should be. It, 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 you could call it um, new life instructions. Number one, it says, stop telling lies. That's in verse 25. <laughs> verse 25. 
Stop telling lies. He says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. Stop telling lies. This pastor, is, is, what, is, it, is it the white lie or the pink lie? If it's white lie, if it's pink lie, if it's blue lie, as long as it has lie attached to it, it is a lie. <laughs> and God says, stop telling lies. You know, it's like parents talking to their children. Most, I mean, if you're a parent, say, there's no parent that's never told his child, stop telling lies. <laughs> If you are here, you have never told your child, and your child is not two or three. If you've never told your child, stop telling lies. You have given birth to Jesus. (laughs) Because it's the human nature to want to not take responsibility, or to want to look good, or to want to... And we end up telling lies. And God is saying, stop telling lies. Secondly, it says, don't get angry to the point of it controlling you. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. It says, be angry, but sin not. You know, a lot of people just say, even the Bible says, be angry. No, the Bible did not say, be angry. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Complete it. The Bible says, don't let your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And we encourage couples, don't let the sun go down. Tackle issues. Why? Because anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger opens the door for the devil. You know, from the first part, you notice that we are not pausing to have questions and discussions because I expect that we take this and we discuss it in our live groups or maybe in our, we talked about having collaborative Bible study. I've call a friend up and discuss these things and, you know, go deeper into the Word of God because of time. We, we, we really want to be finishing at eight, so... Um, the first part is a lot of discussion points. Even this, there's a lot of discussion points on anger, on lying. A lot of discussion points. But we will um, allow you to do that at your small groups. Praise the name of the Lord. Number three, it says to us, not only should you stop lying, not only should you not let anger control you, Stop stealing. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Stop doing 419. Stop it. That's what the Bible is saying. It's in the Bible. Instead, use your hands for good work. In other words, if there's good work, it means there's bad work. Yeah. 
for good work and give generously to others. So that was when you begin to do good work, God's going to bless you in such a way that it will be more than for only you to eat. You can now begin to bless other people. So stop telling lies. Don't sin by letting your anger control you. Quit stealing. Number four. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say, how many things? Everything you say, be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't use foul and abusive words. We have Christians that still use the F letter words, the S letter words, the Q letter words. <laughs> you know? God says, don't, don't. What's the Q letter word? <laughs> How's your homework? <laughs> Can't find out. I don't use it. Um, I'll just. I was just picking your curiosity. There's no kill letter word. <laughs> it's just to make you start thinking what the kill letter word is. <laughs> you should know me by now. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> don't use it. That's what the word of God says. Don't use it. Don't be abusive. See your head like coconut. <laughs> no. Don't say it. Don't let it come out of your mouth. That's what the Bible says. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. If you have, those of us that are married, particularly, you know, marriage will challenge you. Don't abuse your spouse. Don't. Don't. Don't use foul languages. Don't abuse your colleagues. Don't abuse your friends. Don't abuse people. Don't, don't abuse people you meet on the road. Lagos, that's how you know the Christians are. Some cars are born again. They have the sticker, I belong to Jesus, but the driver is not. <laughs> you have some born again cars, <laughs> but drivers are not, you know. And, and it's important to God that we, we refrain from Using abusive words is important to God. And number five, he now gives us a list somewhat. Get rid of all bitterness. People have offended you, you were hurt. Get rid of the bitterness. Why? Because if you don't get rid of it, it's going to affect you. Get rid of the bitterness. Get rid of rage. Rage is different from anger. Get rid of anger. Get rid of harsh words. Again, those of us that are married, note, God says, get rid of what? Harsh words. If you can survive speaking harsh words to your spouse you're on your way 
to what Jesus wants you to be like, to the person that Jesus wants to be like. Get rid of it. Get rid of slander. Because it's an evil behavior. Get rid of gossip. You know, slander, gossip, libel. Get rid of it. In God's favorite house, you know, if you are in God's favorite house, you know this. We have zero tolerance for what? For gossip. We, we, we don't do gossip. We don't. If you see the way I deal with gossip, you will think the person has gone to rob a bank. Because gossip is like a cancer. It spreads and pulls down God's work. So it is in your interest not to be a part of it. Do you know why? Because prayer is being said against the people that are trying to pull down God's work. So if you put your head there, an arrow is flying, what's going to happen? That's why the ground collapses on people, literally, because they get themselves involved in gossip, into things they have no business in, you are now heaping a curse on yourself from a place you should be blessed. There are, pray- in God's there are prayers that are out already. So, so somebody brings gossip to you. Have you heard? <laughs> That's how they start. Have you heard? <laughs> that sister, she's pregnant though. Say to the person, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> yeah? This is what pastor is, is, wouldn't that be harsh? It's better to be harsh. And be safe. Why? Because the gossip, there will be no gossip if there's no hearer. Do you know that? So, the hearers of gossip and the gossip they get the same punishment spiritually. I'm not going to talk about I want to hear you will get the same punishment spiritually. I, I, Pastor, all I said was, ah, hey, yeah. That was all I said, though. You will get the same. You didn't know before, now you know. Prayers is actively being said against anyone that wants to hinder God's work. And you will not be a part of it. And these prayers, that's no name tag. No name tag. Nobody's name is on it. Don't put your name on it. Because Spiritual things does not have respect of persons. No, it doesn't. Slander is big with God. Libel is big with God. You know the difference between slander and libel? Slander is what is said. Libel is what is written. So sometimes the gossip are now on, on WhatsApp written. Heaven says libel. Do you know even in the civil law. You know, slander and libel are criminal, are criminal offenses. Right, lawyers? 
you can actually go be so, I don't know what the penalty is if it's jail time. What's the penalty? Is it jail time? There will be some fine. But you can actually be convicted for slander and libel. That is in the physical court. Personally, I supervise that prayer. So get out of the way. Just my advice to you. Get out of the way. Praise the name of the Lord. Because I love you, that's why I'm telling you. (laughs) Because I love you. Number six. It says that instead be kind to each other. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So, he says, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Let your heart be soft. Let your skin be thick. Forgiving one another just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And, you know, again, I've shared this a couple of times, that earlier times when I read forgiving one another, um, I say to myself, God, why don't you just say not offending one another? <laughs> you know, if you say not offending one another, then everybody will be perfect, everybody will be fine. But God didn't say not offending one another. God says forgiving one another. So it means we will offend one another. It's inevitable. Like I was, I was um, sharing with a group that even the tongue and the teeth fight. The teeth bite the tongue. I mean, I remember your teeth has never beaten your tongue. Let me see your hands up. Never ever. Oh, we all have experienced it. But the following day, they will both enjoy jollof rice together. Doesn't change anything. <laughs> They're forgiving themselves. They've moved on. <clears throat> okay, so now we are now come, come back to verse 2. See, we are do- God is helping us. We are doing well for width and getting some depth also. Verse 2 says, always be humble and gentle. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You know, if you, if you make allowance, God is saying, make allowance for each other's faults. This person is going to make you angry. Make allowance for it. This person is going to upset you. Make allowance for it. This person is not going to do things the way you want it done. Make allowance for it. Verse 3. And it gets very interesting. It says, 
make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together in peace. <clears throat> make every effort. Now, we don't, we are not making efforts to create unity. Unity is created by the Spirit of God. But we have to make every effort to keep the unity that has been created by the Spirit of God. Did you get that? Okay, so God by His Spirit, because we are a member of one body, as you come, the brotherly loves binds us. God creates the unity. We are to what? Make every effort to keep the unity. To keep the unity. Nothing, nothing destroys unity faster than all these things that we've listed. The six things that we went through. And God says, make every effort. To keep it. Make every effort to keep it. Why? That's four. For there is one body and one spirit. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one God. The unity is created under God. We are to make effort to what? To keep the unity. Keep the unity. Keep the unity. You know, if you, I think it's Psalm 133, when it talks about, behold how lovely it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that runs from Aaron's head to his bread to his skirt. And, you know, and it's, it's, it says something profound there. It says, for there the Lord commands his blessing. For, for at that place of unity is where God commands his blessing. So where God's people are blessed, where a group of people are blessed, check, there is unity. When the enemy wants to take away or attack the blessings, what does he do? He attacks the unity. Now, as, as sharing with the choir, uh, we had a, like a family meeting yesterday evening, you know, and, um, and I, I was saying to them that by the grace of God, the, the choir act, the choir in gospel house is, is blessed. Praise the Lord. You know, they shouldn't be the only ones clapping. And don't we know they are blessed? <laughs> of course, we are all blessed. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I, I was using them as an example. You know, you know, the choir has it. You know, the choir has it. Some units have has it. Some units don't have it. Some churches have it. Some churches don't have it. God's favorite house has it by the grace of God. 
and the choir and most of our units have it. Now, if the enemy wants to attack the choir, what do you think is going to attack? The unity. It's going to attack the unity. So, when you say make every effort, it means bring all the arsenal, all the guns that you have, and get ready to fight anything that attacks the unity. Praise the name of the Lord. And the same goes with family. Same, same goes with the family. Same goes with the home. Same goes with the business. Uh, okay, let's go on very quickly. Verse 7. However, he has given each one, each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Individual gifts. Everybody has a gift. Nobody is empty. Everybody has a gift. And your gift is not gossiping. <laughs> that was like an uppercut. <laughs> your gift is not gossiping. It's not, if you read First Corinthians 12, you don't see the gift of gossip there. First Corinthians 12 enumerates individual gifts. Everybody here is gifted. Everybody is gifted. Now, if you go on to, that is individual gifts. If you go on to verse 11, it says, now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church. So, they are individual personal gifts, enumerated in 1 Corinthians 12. But they are gifts to the body, gifts to the church, and that is enumerated here. And that is, first, the apostles, then the prophets, then the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are gifts to the body of Christ. They are gifts to the church. They are gifts to the local church and gifts to the community of believers. Praise the name of the Lord. Of course, for somebody to operate as an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, they must have some individual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, a combination of, of such. Maybe we will do a study on that at some point. Because, I mean, they, I mean obviously, God's Family House is filled with gifted people. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, really very gifted people, you know, are in this place, you know. So, maybe we'll do a study so that Folks know how to harness their gifts and use it to the glory of God. Verse 12 says to us that the gifts that for the church, these ministry gifts as they are called, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, this is their work. Their work is not to bamboozle God's people. Their work is not to lord it over God's people. Their, law, their work is not to 
harass those people. Their work is this. Their responsibility is to what? Equip God's people. And so the, the responsibility of the ministry gift is to equip God's people to do what? To do the work of the ministry. So it is God's people that does the work of the ministry. And the ministry's gift is to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. But unfortunately, the people usually will come, not in God's private house, and expect the ministry gift to do the work of the ministry while they are consumers and not contributors. But in God's private house, we all are contributors. Say amen. Say, I am a contributor. I am not a consumer. We all are contributors. To do the work, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue. This will continue until we all are mature. Until we all come to the unity of our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we be mature in the Lord. Measuring up. Ever say measuring up. So that you are built up spiritually. So that when we see you spiritually, we will not see somebody with kwashoko. We will not see somebody that is malnourished. We will not see a, a, a skinny fido uh, uh, dido You know? In the spirit. We will see in the spirit that you are strong, you are big, you are you have spiritual muscles. You are powerful. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Demons come against you, they crumble. They issue curses against you. As they open their calabash, it explodes in their faces. Why? Because the person they are calling has stature. Has weight. Praise the name of the Lord. That is where we are going. Everyone in God's baby house fully developed. He says, then, verse 14, then we will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of doctrine, every wind of teaching. Oh, there's anointing service going on in this place. Oh, ah, there's something going on in this place. Oh, those are signs of babies. Oh, have you heard? I need to come and see one prophet. Oh, ah, the prophet says, ah, oh yeah, let's go. You are a child. You have not grown up. You have not grown up. But you will grow up. In the name of Jesus. People are people expose their lives to crap. They feel themselves as sort of strange spirits. Then they will be troubling pastor for deliverance. God, we have mercy upon you. <laughs> you know? And, and by every wind of new teaching, we will not be influenced by people when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And verse 16, I, I, I can say, I mean, we, can, we can stay there for, for a while, but we have to go. Verse 16, it says, it makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. 
It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Take it back again. So that each part does its own special work. My question to you is, what special work are you doing in God's baby house? What special work? What is your contribution? What are you doing to help other Christians grow? What are you doing? If the answer is you don't know, or you're still scratching your head, or you're, then you need to plug in. You really need to. To help other parts grow so that the whole body is is The guy has fallen asleep. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Amen. I hope that has helped you a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to draw the curtain here. Um, praise the name of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Amen. Um, yeah, we had some questions for last time. Um, we'll take them next week. If you have questions, please send me an email or send us a text or on WhatsApp. Um, we will take questions next week before we begin the teaching from next week. So my email should, um, address should come up and the um, contact details and um, we will... Um, we'll respond to it. Let's bow down our hearts as we bow down our heads. And let's just talk to God. You know, this message is, is not for um, it's for people that want to be serious with God. It's for people that, that really want to be serious with God. It's not for people that are, don't want to be serious with God. They, they want to contract out their spiritual responsibilities. It's for people that want to know God. I want to grow in God. I want to be strong and and Immovable, unshakable. Say to the Lord, help me. Keep the contact up. Keep the contact up. Say to the Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Of course, if you are here, you want to give your life to Jesus. I want to pray with you. You, want to, you, you have never been born again. You want to be born again today. You are saying, Pastor, can you pray with me? I want, to, I want to turn my life over to Jesus. Can you put up your hand wherever you are seated? You don't need to come forward. I'll pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me. Put up your hand over your head over your head, and we pray together. Pastor, pray with me. Is that your hand at the back? Pray with me. Father, we pray for everyone. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We, we ask that you strengthen us, empower us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we, we pray that the word we have heard would build us up. That you yourself will make us doers of your word. Not hearers alone, deceiving our own self. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. I had no the keys of a
Bocosa, Hazel. Send to the Bocosa. 